Colombian assassins practiced long before Haiti hit. Mercenaries who killed Jovenel Moise attempted to murder Hugo Chavez. That, according to our next guest. He's broken front page stories for BBC Television, Newsnight, The Guardian, Nation Magazine, and now Rolling Stone. He has been considered one of the top journalists in the country. Greg Pallast, as always, Greg, welcome back. Glad to be with you, Wilmer. So a lot of people would never think to make an association or a link between the assassination of Jovenel Moise and the attempted murder of former Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez. Please, Greg, connect those dots. Okay, well, it's not the same exact people, because this was uh, some years ago, as you know, uh, when uh, Chavez was president. Uh, it, but it's the same game, the same, mm-hmm. same basic cast of, of people behind it. What we have is these is the Colombians are being used by right-wing elements in, uh, you know, independent elements, and some, unfortunately, associated with the U.S. government. Uh, in the case of, um, we have both a private company that was hired as, quote, security, using Colombian-trained um, assassins. And don't forget, these are assassins trained by the U.S. government. They're supposedly trained to kill, uh, quote, terrorists. But, you know, when you, when you train someone as a killer and there's money to be had, and there's a target to be had. Um, you know, what, what goes around comes around. In the case of Chavez, I was able to actually get tapes of mercenaries who were originally hired by what was then called Wackenhut Corporation, mm-hmm. gone through several name changes. You might recognize mm-hmm. them as the company that's the big private prison owner in, in America and worldwide. And Wackenhut Corporation... Um, set up a whole, you know, tracking how Chavez moved, et cetera, and brought in these characters um, uh, with the obvious intent of, um, of uh, in fact, they discussed how they were going to take out Chavez. But if they had a Confederate, they had, you know, uh, uh, someone pro-Chavez. And remember, for, for those who don't remember, Hugo Chavez was the progressive left-wing president of Venezuela, who I knew quite well. Uh, and was always played as supposed enemy of America. He was actually quite good friends with Bush Sr. and with Bill Clinton, and even Henry Kissinger was a friend of his. But then uh, George Bush and his right-wing death squad killers um, decided that uh, he was unacceptable to some U.S. oil companies, particularly Exxon, which was very angry about uh, expropriations or raising, frankly, raising taxes on their property, and that's why they left. They were playing next to nothing for their oil. So they had to take out Chavez because you can't tax oil companies. And uh, that's just how it is. And so that that uh, uh, crew of killers was busted. I was part of the, the team investigating and uncovered that. We literally have tape recordings. We have secret videos and everything else of these characters from Colombia doing this. So then they became kind of, Killers for hire. And this is the problem. It's, we'll never really know how much uh, U.S. government elements were involved. We do know that these guys were paid for by, um, a, by a, an American Haitian citizen. And, you know, you can't get away with that stuff without being tracked. We have quite an uh, intelligence, you know, we have a trillion-dollar intelligence operation. 
the idea that we had no idea what was going on, whether we knew that there was a real going to be a real attempt on um, um, Moise's life, I don't know. I'm not going to go beyond what I can at this point say, because that would, you know, I'm not going to go beyond what the evidence that we have. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what the U.S. government knows. What we do know is that they create these death squads, and the problem is, doctor, is when you. It's never surprising to me that when Frankenstein's turn on you, as we saw with Osama bin Laden, you know mm-hmm. that you know we pushed the Saudis to create bin Laden um, and to, to uh, fight the Russians in Afghanistan, and it turns around on us. It was blowback of the of most uh, you know of, of a desperate order. And if you're going to create a Frankenstein factory. And don't be surprised when the Frankensteins um, start uh, running around um, loose. Uh, this is one of the problems. We have to cut this off. And threatening your village, because the basis of a lot of our policy, and then I'll go to Garland, is when you operate from the basis of the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you then create... Right, we knew... There you go. There you go. Yeah, we need just one thing to add, though, I should note. So the U.S. government trained these killers when they were in the Colombian military. They made 300 bucks a month with these killer security operations when they get to, you know, to uh, go freelance after they've had their training to get $3,000 a month. You know, but what do you think is going to happen when you train killers? This is a big, this is not a small issue. So the, the real answer is not say, oh, we're shocked and we're surprised. How could you be shocked and surprised? If it, was, if it wasn't Moise, it would be someone else, and we don't know who else. We are setting these, Frank, we are training Frankenstein, we're arming Frankensteins, and we go, oh my God, they're acting like Frankenstein. Well, the thing about it is, I mean, and if you get to this whole thing, Jovenel Moise, a, an alleged b- banana farmer, which it was uh, pretty well known, he sold he was involved in produce other than bananas. But <laughs> these guys, what are they? They're, some of them were DEA informants, which means that you have to be in the drug trade or you couldn't possibly be a DNA informant. And it gets back to this. What the United States has done in Central America, I mean, Kamala Harris went there and they're like, hey, she's like, yeah, we're going to come here and do some anti-corruption. What the U.S. has done in Central America, in South America, in, in, in the Caribbean, the level of corruption, of murder, the horror, the poverty that we've created there is unthinkable. And when we see these things like this and the U.S. says, yeah, I guess we better send some troops in here to clean this thing up and fix it and, and bring security and stability. The reason they don't have security and stability is because our constant meddling, oppression, murder, corruption, bribery, you name it, in those areas. Greg? Well, look, we, and, and this goes, now this segs perfectly into, into the issue of Haiti. For 28 years, we support the United States militarily with intelligence, um, and, uh, again, supporting death squads and, and killers, kept the Duvalier family, the dictatorship, in power for 28 years. It's estimated that they stole 80% of the aid that was given to Haiti over those years. It is a desperately poor nation. Here we have Joe Biden jumping up and down about Cuba. And believe me, I'm no friend of the, of the Cuban regime. I'm I'm for democracy, whether it's in Georgia or Cuba, but compared to how people live 
of just a few miles away in Haiti. I mean, Cuba's Beverly Hills. Um, and, you know, we 200,000 people died in the earthquake 10 years ago. Well, it's now been 11 years. And it has not recovered. It has not been rebuilt. We've poured in billions. But then we walked away. If you remember, Bill Clinton and, and Bush Sr. were put in charge of, of, of um, rebuilding Haiti. Um, you know, uh, uh, did you see the rebuilding of Haiti? So once again, we've left Haiti to suffer and struggle. And here's the great irony. One of the reasons why the president was this, this rump president was supported by the U.S. was that he was in favor of the overthrow of the Venezuelan regime at the Organization of American States. And so once again, uh, our massive support for uh, a corrupt regime in Haiti. I mean, I, we don't want to see a president, even a president elected in, in suspicious circumstance by uh, a teeny minority of voters. But we certainly don't want to endorse assassinations by any means. But, you know, again, we created these monsters. He was, and he, and uh, he himself was a monster and he was gunned down by other monsters. Uh, you know, we did have an elected progressive president for Haiti. The one true legal election they had was in 1991 when the, when the, uh, the, uh, priest, uh, Jean, uh, Jean Paul Aristide. Jean, Jean Bertrand Aristide. Jean, excuse me, Jean Bertrand, Bertrand Aristide. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jean Bertrand. I don't want to misstate him because he sent me a note, by the way, when he was arrested by you, by, you know, troops backed by the U.S. and then ultimately and U.S. troops. He was reading my book, The Best Democracy Money You Could Buy, and he said they took it away from him, so he asked me to send him another copy. <laughs> and <other> than, <laughs> but, Which I did. But, you know, the U.S., so they, they finally had an elected Democratic president, and we couldn't stand it. George Herbert Walker Bush, that's Bush Sr., basically overthrew the elected government they finally had. Then he's put in charge of restoring Haiti after he helped destroy it. Of course, when Aristide left, um, the wheels again fell off the economy, and um, and it became uh, basically one more um, client state of um, U.S. corporations, who then even at a certain point abandoned it because it was so corrupt and so um, so impossible to work there. And then went, and then you had the earthquake, and they've never recovered. You know, it's interesting you make the point about Moise wanting to overthrow Maduro Mm -hmm. in Venezuela Mm -hmm. because Venezuela had been supporting Haiti financially through the Petro-Carib Fund. Yes. So Venezuela, when when oil prices were relatively decent, Venezuela was sending Haiti money. That's right. And also sending Haiti oil. And forgave $3 billion after the earthquake in oil owed money. Exactly. And now and now you've got uh, a president that wanted to assassinate the president of the country that had been supporting them to the best of their ability. So once again, it's the creation of the monster factory. And then don't forget the, another bad player actor in this is the International Monetary Fund and World Bank. Mm -hmm. I got some internal documents from the World Bank and IMF, which I reviewed with Joe Stiglitz. He didn't give me these documents. I want to emphasize this. These Mm -hmm. were secret documents. He just did authenticate them. But these are plans for basically squeezing 
Uh, it's the, it was an you know what they later called austerity program, but it was basically squeezing Haiti. And even after the earthquake, telling them to cut their budgets, there was nothing to cut. Mm-hmm. You know, it's telling a starving man, well, eat less. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of institutionalized cruelty that we have imposed on Haiti. And, you know, again, you know, you have to compare the economic situation with Cuba. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not crazy about the political situation in Cuba, but just, you know, they did skip the, the cruelty bullet. And, um, you know, and then if you go across the island uh, with, to Santo Domingo, mm-hmm. um, you, you end up with there you had a U.S. invasion once again. And uh, now, you know, people go to San Amigo, but they go to these resorts where they don't actually see the nation. You know, and once it's an effective colony with tourism spots, <laughs> we get to tour the colony. Quickly, we have just about a minute left. A lot of people don't real. all people tend to know is what they see. Mm-hmm. And so all they see is a very, very poor country, not understanding that Haiti is incredibly mineral rich. Yes, it's, and unfortunately, it's called the resource curse. It's because it is mineral rich mm-hmm. and because it is lush agriculturally, they have suffered. They'd be better off if they were a desert because, once again, they have something to steal. Mm-hmm. And that's been the problem. There and remember, go. the IMF programs were all about not only cutting budgets, but privatizations of everything owned by the people. The public resources were sold off to privateers. There you go. And the resources and wealth of the nation were taken away by fiat from the international um, banking agencies and with the um, and with the imposition of the U.S. government and people like Larry Summers, our Secretary of Treasury under Clinton, mm-hmm. who just squeezed this nation, just squeezed this nation. So we have to understand it's a it is a rich nation, but the people can't access their own riches. Greg Pallast, as always, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate that analysis, and we look forward to having you back. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, Garland.